first of all, it's just an honor and a privilege that God's given me to stand before y'all today and be able to share what he has done for me and the excitement I have, what he's going to do with me in the future. And, it's don't, and like the song said today, His relentless love, his limitless, unlimited grace and enduring mercies, that's what he's bestowed upon me. You know, I, I talked to a pastor friend I went to Turning Point with, and he says, you got a story to tell. Man, I, I recounted everything that happened to me. He said, you got a story to tell. you got a strong testimony. He said, but let God be in control. He said, look, you don't matter if you're talking to one person, 101 people, 1,001 people, or a million one people. You're here to talk to that one. Just like Jesus left the 99 and went for that one. So I pray you, your ears will be open, your eyes, your heart will be fully receptive today. Not what I have to say, but what, has, what God has to say through me. Because I serve a God of miracles. I'm a standing testimony today to what he's done for me. And he's given me a body of believers to join with and be a part of that have prayed relentlessly for me. And I felt each and every one of your prayers. I went to a family reunion yesterday. I heard this all throughout the hospital. Here comes the miracle, man. Here comes the miracle, man. Here comes the miracle. No, God is the miracle. I'm just a vessel. Okay? But from that... All those, just the, the number of people in the family that are praying, but they belong to church bodies. And all the people that are praying from there, all the people on Facebook, through my sister and brother and all their friends, people I don't even know are praying for me. But I could feel those prayers. I could feel them. That's me a month ago. Okay? May 31st, I was driving to work. I worked for a pest control company. I was driving my company truck to work. Got past the Alabaster exit. With no warning, no nothing, I, I must have just blacked out and I had a massive heart attack. I was in the far left lane, if you know, if you're familiar with that area right past the Alabaster exit, it expands into four lanes. I was in the outside lane, four lanes over, and the guy was falling in a distance, and he looked, and he saw me going toward the median. He said, the last second, I, I come off the median and drifted all the way across four lanes of traffic. And I don't know if you've been on that, that road at that time of the day, but 6.30 in the morning, that road is packed. And not only that, people are doing 80 and 90 miles an hour flying up through there because they're, all, they're tired of going two lanes. You get the four lanes, they, they put the pedal to the metal, and they're gone. And it's a very dangerous area right there. But the only thing I hit, I hit a guardrail, hit an embankment, and hit trees when, when I finally landed. But this is the power of God. There's a man following me that saw, saw all this. And let me give you a little backstory on him. That morning, he woke up late. He was running 30 minutes behind work. He said, I am never, ever, ever, ever late for work. That morning, he was 30 minutes behind. So if he had been on his normal schedule, he would already been 30 minutes ahead of me. But also that morning, God woke him up and said, you need to put a hammer in your truck. He said, he, he, he questioned God. said, what are you talking about put a hammer in my truck? God said, you need to put a hammer in your truck. Well, he was obedient, and he put a hammer in his truck. All right, and he happened to be a retired, or, or I don't know if he's retired, but he used to be a fireman for Tuscaloosa. 
right? So he's very trained and skilled in rescue and, and, and CPR and, and, and everything else. And he's very attuned to, you know, watching traffic and seeing how people are reacting. And he saw, when he saw me driving and, and start coasting across the road, he said, that's a cardiac arrest issue right there. He knew. He knew immediately. So he, he started getting into gear and thinking about that. You know, he, you know, he, was, he was in tune with what was going on. And, of course, he was the first one to stop. And he ran down by that time another man had joined him. And then a woman had stopped. She stopped up there. And he said, look, I'm going to be relaying messages to you for when the responders come. Can you tell them what, you know, tell them this, tell them that? She said, yes. I mean, I, I had the privilege of calling all these people because they were on the police report. And that lady said, God told me to stop. Stand there on, that, on the side of the highway. My only job was to pray for this whole situation. So, I mean, there was prayer going on during that time of rescue and, and resuscitation and, and, and all that. But this guy goes down. I'm trapped in the truck. I'm already turning blue. And they can't get the truck open. So he has to run back up. And guess what? He gets that hammer God told him to put in the truck. He comes down, busts the window out on the passenger side because he didn't want to do it right there where I was at, you know, feared too much glass blowing on me. But they were able to unlock it and get me out, and they commenced CPR. And uh, evidently, they must have done pretty good because I was sore for three weeks. You know, I mean, I don't know if you've ever, and, and, and the doctor, the heart specialist said, only reason you don't have broken ribs because, you know, you, you got such good, you know, I'm not got fat, but got, you got a good muscle structure and everything else. He said, you know, you would have, you know, they would have broken a lot of ribs. They said, but what they did, they might not have revived you at that time, but they were pumping vital blood through your body, carrying oxygen that you did have in your body to the organs that needed it. And then I had to wait on the, the police got there, and they hit me twice with an AED. And then by that time, the fire department was there, and they took their big defibrillators out and hit me three times with their defibrillators and finally got enough vital signs where they could uh, load me and transport me to the hospital. And thank God, I'm right there at Alabaster, so they had both north and southbound shut down. They went the opposite way on the interstate, came up and went across and took me to Shelby. It just so happened a wonderful, wonderful surgeon was on, on, staff, and, on staff at that time. And then uh, come to find out later, he said, oh, this man, he, he does my pest control. <laughs> you know, so I get to, you know, he gets to repay the favor, you know. But there's just so many things lined up that you cannot call it coincidence, happenstance, whatever you want to say. It was, it was God. From the moment I went out going across those four lanes of traffic, which I try to do, if I try to do that now, just, just shoot across there, I would, I would wreck everybody that's on the road. But nobody hit me, I hit nobody else. It didn't cause any secondary collisions. And thank God no one else was hurt. You know, I was the only one affected by that. But even in the hospital, you know, like I said, I had a wonderful, you know, heart surgeon. Luckily, they didn't have to open heart. They were able to go through my femoral artery, you know, and do uh, like a rotor-rooter system through the heart and the, 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 the blood vessels in the uh, arteries. And my, well, I didn't get to see it, but my wife got to see it. They showed a before and after picture, and it looked like two different hearts, you know. And, uh, and, and they, were, they put me in an induced coma and on a respirator for like five days. I didn't realize anything had happened until five days later. I woke up and, and my lovely wife was there, and she said, "You've been, you know, you've been in a wreck. You had a heart attack." I'm like, "Whoa, you know." But I was so I was so drug induced, you know, trying to, you know, being sedated, so heavily sedated. You know, I, I wasn't even there, even even though I was there. But it was so wild because for days and days, you know, I, I was either in and out, or I was hallucinating, or whatever. But my body was healing at that time. Because only after eight days, the doctor came to me and said, look, 
He said, I'm, I'm going to tell you something that I don't, I, didn't, I don't believe these words would ever issue from my mouth. He said, I said, what's that, Doc? He said, I'm letting you go tomorrow. He said, no, I've never seen a man come in in a condition that you were in that I've released so early. You know, and by that time, I was lucid enough where I was looking at my phone and looking at Facebook and seeing where people were praying, and I'm trying to respond, but I, mean, I, can't, I couldn't even focus on my own hand, much less my finger typing on a phone, you know. But I tell you what, it's been, this is kind of funny, and I said it yesterday, I'll say it again. I ended up with a hole in the back of my head. I don't know what I hit or what hit me, but I ended up with a hole in the back of my head. And my wife said, yeah, that's where God hit you with a frying pan. She said, because I've been praying to hit you with that frying pan, but he, he did it for me. You know, so what I'm saying, what I say that for, that, that was his way of waking me up to what he wants me to do. You know, and it's put me in this frame of mind, and I read it today, and I'll say it right now. I am not afraid of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for all who believe. That's what I stand here and stand firm on today. God, even though, let me, another verse I read, it says, though my outward man perishes, you know, my inward man is, or is refreshed day by day. You know, as long as I'm obedient and doing what he wants me to do, which is staying in his word, fulfilling the great commission, coming in, speaking the word of Christ and the word of salvation to each and every man, woman, and child, you know, I am refreshed daily. Even though I'm a 60-year-old man, I am declining fast, okay? That doesn't matter. This body is only temporary. It is only temporary, but my soul lives on forever, and he wants me to grab and take as many people with me as I possibly can. You know, my sister said it on my, on my bed. I was there hanging. They didn't know. They didn't know they were going to, and I was out for 10 to 12 minutes without oxygen and without blood pumping through my body. You know, so they didn't know how, what my brain, how my brain was going to be affected. You know, but here I am in this coma, and my sister's standing at the foot of the bed, and I didn't find this out until later, and she said, look, brother, here's what I said to you. I said, what was that? She said, you were going to spend a little trip to heaven and see mom and dad and be so happy that you're just going to decide to go on home and be with them. Or are you going to come out of this thing, and you're going to evangelize? That was, that was, her, that was her prophecy at the foot of my bed. Another, I don't think it was a prophecy. It was truth. Our pastor came to the foot of my bed. I didn't know. You know, I, 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 didn't, I, mean, I didn't know anything. He said, God told him, said, tell me only one thing, that I am healed. Yeah. Is that right? Is that what he said? Yeah, thank him for I am already healed. Yeah. And, it, and it proved so quick because I, I made such a miraculous turnaround. You know, I've come out of that, don't even have to do physical therapy. All right? They say, get out there and do what you can do. Your body's going to tell you what you can and can't do. All right? So just don't, you know, just don't push it too far. You know, so I, I, I've made a drastic turnaround since I've been out. After I got over the soreness, get over the tiredness, you know, and I'm going back to work tomorrow morning. You know, and, and it's just amazing. But... It, you know, I look back on my life, and, and I look back on other people's lives. You know, people, when they grow up, especially get the teenage years, getting close to the uh, high school years, they start aspiring to be something. 
You know, I said this yesterday too to the men, but, you know, either a police officer, a fireman, a doctor, a lawyer, you know, a banker, whatever. They aspire to be something. And they direct their lives in, in that direction, go to college or go to trade school or whatever, go, you know, go into a line of work they want to go into, and they work toward that. And that's, that's what they, they do because they, they got inspiration. They're inspired to do this. Well, I look back on my life, I never was inspired to do anything. I couldn't even tell you today what I really want to do. Except that when I was 12 years old, we had a revival at a little Baptist church that I went to in Wetumpka, Alabama. And the guy preaching that night was uh, uh, Tom Lester. And I know a lot of people in here won't know Tom, who Tom Lester, but he was Jeb on Green Acres. And uh, he, uh, he did the preaching that night, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior at 12 years old. And I had a true conversion at that time. But shortly the teenage years took over all right, and addiction started and everything else. And I spent the rest of that time from then, probably even now, trying to disqualify myself what God has called me to do. You know, and I read this morning again, God's going to complete the work that he has started in me. He is he not going to give up on me until he has completed it. That's the same thing I got to do. It says he's going to complete it. But he's the one that gives me the strength and the energy and the whatever I need to complete his work. Yeah. You know, and I just, it was amazing. I, I spent a quiet time. I, I go out there and drive, I know it drives my wife crazy because I got a big, huge speaker. And I Bluetooth it to my phone and I play praise and worship music. I'm talking about loud. I, I play it loud. And, she, and she's like, you need to turn that down. Then you might disturb the neighbors. I'm like, you know, I said, well, maybe so. Maybe they need to hear it. But uh, that's what I do. I get out there. I get inspired by the praise and worship. I, I love the praise and worship music we do here. You know, but then, then while doing that praise and worship, God said, go get your Bible. I went inside and got my Bible and started flipping pages. And I spent a lot of time in that Bible, and I've done a lot of highlighting in that Bible. And I started going through and looking at every place I was looking it was grace 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 you know I could not do bad enough to diminish God's grace for my life because where sin abounds grace abounds much more you know, that, that is the bottom line. Does it mean I need to go out there and send more to get more grace? No, 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 it don't mean that. You know, it means that he loves me. That's number one. That's why I think that song, the order of that song was wrong. It needed to be his love because of his love is why he has his grace for us and the mercy on us. You know, and, but it's true, his, his, his love is relentless. And it's been relentless in my life. This is the second time that he's bring me, brought me back from, from dead. You know, and if I had a nickel for every time someone said, God's not done with you yet, you know, I'd be a rich man today. But you know what? And I said this yesterday too, and I'm going to repeat it because people need to hear it. If you've got breath going in your lungs, if you've got blood pumping through your body, God is not done with you either. You know, we're, we're all called to the Great Commission, which is spreading the word of gospel of Jesus Christ throughout all lands. 
you know, and the biggest thing I feel today is humility. That God has chosen me to speak his word to people that need to hear it. And I hope I can touch someone. I mean, I hope, I hope all believers could be strengthened by this, but I hope I can touch a non-believer where they can open up their heart and receive Christ in their heart today. Because without Christ in our life, or I'll speak singularly, without Christ in my life, I am nothing. You know, Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I can rephrase that. I can do nothing without Christ in my life because I don't have his strength. With my strength, I'm only human. And that, that's, there's a limit to human ability. But with God, there is no limit. There is no limit to what I can do, what you can do, what we can do as a body. And Christ is just, I mean, and he, he, God's just been pulling on me, pulling on me, and pulling on me. And I've been rejecting him, rejecting him. And he, 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 he doesn't quit knocking. He's waiting me to open that door. He's very patient with me. Why, I don't know. But I'm thankful for that. You know, and today, I don't know. I, I, it's not that I've had a change of heart. It's just I got a new perspective. You know, life is precious, but earth life is only temporary. You know, what's important is what I store up, you know, in, in the heavens. And that's by serving Him and doing what He wants me to do. And alone, I don't have that power. I don't. I do not have that power. You know, but I already mentioned Philippians 14 about doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. So therefore, I can't. You know, he can, so I have to have a willing attitude to let him work through me. Not being afraid. That's why of what people think and say about me. That's why I said I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Because it, it holds power. And that power is the salvation power of God. You know, as long as we just have faith in him, you know, it's by grace we're saved through our faith, you know, that no man should boast. It's not of works, you know. And, and once, we, once we receive that, that grace and that salvation, you know, we don't, we don't rest on our laurels, you know. I have to cast aside whatever the world stereotypes the world might put on me or put me down, the holy roller or whatever, it doesn't matter. It don't matter what the world thinks. It matters what God thinks of me. And he's already, he's already solidified that he loves me and he wants the best for me. You know, he just wants me to be faithful and get out there and do what he wants me to do. You know, and I don't have to worry about it because it's, it's him, not me. You know, that's, that's the glory of it. It's not, it's not me. These aren't my words. This is, this is the words that God has inspired me to say. You know, he just uses me as a human vessel so y'all can understand, you know, maybe relate on one-to-one -one level. And I just hope and pray, hope and pray that no, nobody has to go through what I went through. But thank God for miracles. Thank God for praying people. Thank God for caring people. Thank, you know, just thank God for, for him directing and controlling that whole situation. And I read today, and it's just like, I mean, I was getting hammered during this, this, during this study days, so, you know, all things 
All things work for the glory of God to those who love the Lord. You know, I mean, talking about a powerful uh, study and quiet time I had this morning. I mean, it was it was wild and get to come in here and just. I mean, I'm I'm just on a spiritual cloud nine right now. You know, I don't ever want to leave it. You know, but I just hope there's that one one out here that does not have Christ in their heart. I hope everybody has Christ in their heart. But if there is one, please open your heart today and accept Him. Accept him in your heart. He says, you know, I mean, I, I saw, I, I know I saw at least three different uh, areas in the Bible today, you know, you know, just confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you know, and uh, I'm, I'm looking for the, what's the verse I was looking for? I read it, and I, I let it slip my mind. Uh, but still, the bottom line is all you have to do is, is believe in your heart that Jesus is real, Jesus was God's Son. Jesus was, was, was killed and slain and raised from the dead for the salvation of our sins. And so you can have eternal life with him. You know, and that's the way I look at it. I don't care I'm turning 60. You know, so, so what? If I've got 20, 30 years left to live, so what? You know, that's going to be but a speck of, I mean, that, that's nothing compared to eternity. You know, eternity, you, I, the human mind cannot fathom what eternity is. That's how big eternity is. And you think we're pretty smart and stuff like that. And, you know, I, you know, I can draw the infinity symbol, okay? But what does that mean? I mean, I can, my mind can't, can't, wrap it, can't wrap around it. I, said, I mean, it's, it's not going to be for a long time. It's going to be time will not, not exist in eternity. You know, it will not. You know, and not only that, I will be... I've always, I've always reached out for love and acceptance. And for eternity, I'm going to be with the one who is love. God is love. And I'll be with him throughout the ages. You know, but thank you all for your prayers. Thank you for your support. Just thank you for all you all do. Thank you for this church and our pastor. And I just hope and pray that if you're, if you're without Jesus today, please do not leave these doors until you have him sealed in your heart. You know, and I'm sure the pastor will do some kind of, some kind of call before the service is over, but please accept Christ in your heart today. Because when, nobody knows. Our future is not guaranteed here on, on, on earth. You know, our, you know, mine could have been easily snubbed out that day. But God had other plans. And thank, you know, and thank him for that because he's given me this opportunity. In times past, I've shirked that responsibility. But I'm tired of doing it my way. I want to do it his way. You know, in his way, I don't always understand. I never probably will. But all I got to do is be, be obedient and do what he wants me to do. And I tell you what, there's more joy and peace in my life because of that than it is trying to do it my way. My way leads to frustration, strife, anger. I mean, just so many things that I don't need to experience but when all I have to do is let him take control. You know, I can't, but he can, and I got to let him. 
because he wants the best for me. He wants the best for y'all, you know. And but just thank God that I'm able to come from that to this day. Probably not much better, but I think a little better. <laughs> but uh, but thank God for that. And it's only because of God that that happened, and the power of prayer and the power of attentive people. And even the I mean that hospital staff was amazing. You can ask my wife; they were they were amazing, and. I mean, just miracles were happening every day. Not just me being saved, but I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was amazing. And uh, thank y'all very much. I remember walking in to the ICU and Greg was laying there and little nurse was standing there at the monitoring his vitals. And... Uh, she smiled. I greeted and said, I'm the pastor. I said, I'm here just to, just for a brief moment because the Lord had instructed me when you go in, just say, thank you for Greg's healing. And that's what we did. And uh, that along with all the other prayers. Um, so don't underestimate the power of your prayers. And uh, there's a passage over in the book of uh um, revelations that says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So what does that mean? That means that's the testimony of Jesus prophesying to you about how faithful God will be to you, that God is able to heal you, that God is able to rescue you, that he's able to orchestrate things to bring you into a place of, of peace where you know everything's going to be all right. Now, I want to just share with you just for a few minutes because uh, I, the Lord really has impressed me and, and we all have feel, felt the pressures of, of wanting to quit and uh, wanting to be discouraged and, and finding yourself in a place where you're just overwhelmed. And, uh, you know, when you, when you think about that, I just, if I was going to title what I want to share with you, and Greg just set this up so well and such a wonderful faith builder, um, I would simply say it's not easy. Now, I want to qualify that. When you look at the scriptures, you'll find that it wasn't easy for Noah. Noah was ridiculed. He was mocked because he's building an ark that no one had ever seen one. God gave him the instructions. It's going to rain. It had never rained. Everybody thought he was crazy. And I can't imagine in that time frame, Noah, he didn't come out unscathed. He was he was relentless in his faith because he knew and focused on the task at hand. That's why it's so important for you and me. It wasn't easy for Moses. Let me take you to Numbers 11 just for a moment. And uh, I'm going to build your faith. And this is going to encourage you, I know. Um, it's going to encourage me as well. And, and uh, Numbers 11, it says, Soon the people began to complain about their hardship. Look at your neighbor and tell them it's not easy. And the Lord heard everything they said. Then the Lord, the devil's also listening. 
Then the Lord's anger blazed against them and he sent fire to rage among them and he destroyed some of the people in the outskirts of the camp. Then the people screamed to Moses for help and when he prayed to the Lord, the fire stopped. After that, the area was now as Teberah, which means the place of burning because fire from the Lord had burned among them there. I'm so glad we're not in the old covenant. Aren't you glad Greg spoke of grace? Boy, I'm so grateful for grace. It empowers us to do what we couldn't do in the Old Testament. Said so then the foreign rabble who were traveling with the Israelites began to crave the good things of Egypt. You got to be careful who you hook up with. You got to be careful who you listen to. And the people of Israel also began to complain. Oh, for some meat, they exclaimed. We remember the fish we used to eat for free in Egypt, and we had all the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic we wanted. Not too good for the breath, but probably tasty, and I'm okay with that myself. But now my wife always tells me don't eat onions before service. <laughs> it's, it's, it's important, you know, close proximity means something. He said, he said, but now our appetites are gone and all we ever see is this manna. Be careful that the enemy doesn't bring you to the place where you begin to complain about God's provision and be thankful for everything that God brings into your life. I was, I was praying on my way to church, my wife and I, and I said, thank you, Lord, for waking me up and giving us this beautiful day. Let my living be a blessing to you. Thank you, Lord, for the food on my table and the clothes on my back and the shelter over my head. I thank you, Lord, for the call that you placed in my life. Help me to be faithful and let my living be a blessing to you. Come on, you understand. The manna looked small like coriander seeds. It was pale yellow like gum resin. And the people would go out and gather it from the ground. They made the flour by grinding it with hand meals or pounding it in the mortars. And incidentally, they could only get enough for the day. They couldn't save it uh, for tomorrow because it would spoil. Indicates a picture of trusting God every day. Then they boiled it in a pot, made it flat cakes. These cakes tasted like pastries baked with olive oil. The manna came down on the camp with the dew during the night. Moses heard all the family standing in the doorways of their tents whining. This is the New Living Translation. And the Lord became extremely angry. Moses also was aggravated. And Moses said to the Lord, why you treat me, your servant, so harshly? Have you ever been there? Don't answer that. He said, have mercy on me. What did I do to deserve the burden of all these people? Did I give birth to them? Listen to Moses. It's okay to be real with God. He said, did I bring them into the world? Why did you tell me to carry them in my arms like a mother calls a nur carries a nursing baby? How can I carry them to the land you swore to give their ancestors? Where am I supposed to get meat for all these people? They keep whining to me saying, give us meat to eat. I can't carry all these people by myself. The load is far too heavy. If this is how you intend to treat me, just go ahead and kill me. Don't Do, you, do me a favor and spare me this misery. Come on, this is Moses. Come on. I, this, and then the Lord said to Moses, gather 70 men. Who are Here's what's about to happen. Let me tell you, when I drive by churches and I see empty parking lots, sparsely populated parking lots, and, and I'm telling you, as a pastor, after 
almost 30 years of pastoring, I've never seen uh, such a falling away. But when I, when I drive by these churches, I think I, God is up to something because I know that when he pours his spirit out on the church, that it's not, it's, nobody's going to be able to get the credit but him. That when the Holy Ghost begins to fall and people's lives begin to be changed and, and we see testimonies come forth like Greg's and, and the power of his hand to heal and make whole and rescue, let me tell you, nobody can have the glory but God. So he said, Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I'll come down and talk you that talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that's upon you, and I will put the spirit upon them also. Capital S, Holy Ghost. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. Now I want to take you over to Proverbs 21. The Holy Spirit led me here, and I hope you'll hang with me for just a moment. I think it's 21. No, no, no. Hang with me. I'm on, I'm, I'm, just a couple of minutes. I got to give you this. Proverbs 24.10. This is where the Lord took me. It says, if you faint, means to lose heart. In the day of adversity, your strength is small. But then he gives us a remedy for it. And I, I want to show you this remedy that the Holy Spirit unfolded to me. Verse 11, he said, Deliver those who are drawn away to death and those who totter to the slaughter. Hold them back from their doom. That's what Greg's doing. If you profess ignorance and say, Behold, we didn't know this. Does not he who weighs and ponders the heart perceive and consider it? He who guards your life does not does he not know it? He shall not shall not he render to you and every man according to his works. It's important. There is moments and times of adversity, but there's hope. He said, "If you he, he said this. He said, my, here's the remedy right here. This is where I wanted to get. My son, eat honey because it's good." The drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. I remember eating honey from a wheelbarrow from a, name, a man named Bill Popwell. He had robbed a big oak tree, a hollow tree, and got all the, and I, that's before, I don't think he had any kind of protection against the bees. I don't know how he did it, but he come out unscathed. And he filled that, honey, that, that wheelbarrow up with honeycomb and honey. And I remember tasting, now that's, I'm talking about the 1960s, okay? I remember tasting that honey. Honey is one of the most purest forms of, of energy and, and wholesome foods you can find when it's that kind of honey. So the Bible is, God is on purpose when he says honey. He says, he said, eat honey 
because it's good and the drippings and the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. So shall you know skillful and godly wisdom to be thus to your life. If you find it, there shall be a future and a reward and your hope and expectation shall not be cut off. Let me tell you why it's important because the Bible said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. There's another place that says, Lord, your word is like honey. It's sweet as honey. And you understand the strength of the Lord. The Bible said in Nehemiah, when he began to read the words of the law to the people, they began to weep. And Nehemiah said, don't weep because the joy of the Lord is your strength. I came to tell you that I am not unlike you. That there will be times of adversity. There will be those times of challenge and distraction. There will be those moments uh, when you face impossible obstacles and situations in your life. But I came to tell you that he looks at you and he sees a treasure that, that he can't live without. Come on, somebody. He didn't want to live without you, so he made uh, the, the provision so that he could have you. Uh, the Bible said that when he went... The, the man found the treasure in the field. He went and sold everything he had because he wanted the treasure. And he bought the whole field. And when you see that picture of, of being loved that much by the Father, when you see how much you're loved, then let me tell you, when, when that grace comes that Greg talked about, when that grace that's provided to you and it's real, it'll keep you going. When you feel like quitting, let me tell you, there's such thing as burnout. That there's such thing as burnout. Let me tell you that there's a remedy for burnout too. In light of eternity, in light of the provision of God, in light of the sacrifice that he made. I, I don't work because I want to impress anybody. Come on, somebody. I, I don't do the things of God and, and do the work of God because I want people to look at me in a certain way because people are, they probably don't see each other. They don't see us the way we think they see us. It's important to know that sometimes our perception of what people think is, is totally different than what it really is. Now, I'm saying that for a reason. Because in Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, one scripture in the book of Psalms says David's men and Samuel, I'm sorry, Samuel, they were going to fight a battle and David was weary and exhausted. It's not easy. There's moments when you have to be like Jesus. You have to go into a place and by yourself and, and, and be with the Lord and be re-energized and get strength. So when you think about this beloved identity, it's important that God's called us for such a time as this. And you think about, it wasn't easy for Paul. Paul said, we're pressed by, on every side, but we're not crushed. We're chased down, but we're not destroyed. He said, I bear in my body the marks of the Lord. Because suffering is part of being a, a Christian. Uh, and life is, is not fair. And there will be moments when we'll have adversity. There's moments when we'll have distraction. And moments when uh, we'll be challenged to just give up. 
But let me tell you, in light of eternity, I like what Chase told me the other night, Wednesday night. Uh, really, he, he told me I was 58 when he came. And, and he told me, he said, I've never listened to a man that old. <laughs> I said, well, what about 68? He said, yeah, I'm amazed. He said, you don't act like it. I said, I won't act like it either. <laughs> I said, I said, I'm going to enjoy the journey because I've, I've already seen too much. Come on, I just came to tell you, you've already seen too much. You've been through too much to not realize that the hand of God has been watching over you and keeping you up till this moment. I, I don't care if you've been here uh, just a short time. It's been the hand of God that's kept you because he's been watching over you and he'll be faithful to bring you through because he's got a plan. He's got a call and he's given you gifts and talents. It's amazing. All these people, Paul said, he's in, he's in prison. He begins to talk about being stoned and left for dead, beaten with rods three times, 39 stripes except for one because that's what they would do. Shipwrecked. He said, none of these things move me. When you get to the place where you begin to know how deeply you're loved and all the distractions, all the busyness. Daniel says in the last days, the devil will try to wear out the saints of God. I've never seen a time. And let me tell you that the very thing the enemy wants you to do is to just sit down. But what a black eye when you refuse to sit down and you continue the call that God's some of you the wheels are turning I know the Holy Spirit's given me this message to tell you that your best days are ahead and sometimes it's very easy to look at the circumstances and situations and come into the bondage of the way it used to be Come under the bondage of what if things were better. I just came to tell you it's not easy. But his grace is sufficient. Paul said, I need you to take this thorn in my flesh. This devil sent to buffet me. I need you to intervene, Lord. He said he didn't do that. But he did do this. He said, my grace is all you need. My grace will take you through. So I want to tell you on this July 4th weekend, you are so deeply loved with perfect love. I want to tell you, no, no, I didn't tell you all this to get you just, I, I told you this to tell you the faithfulness of God. That all these people, Noah was successful because it rained like God told him it would. He was ready. And eight people came out of the ark and the first thing he did was built an altar and worship. Moses, man, Moses, he, he didn't go, you know what? One of the things that 
that I've heard preachers talk about that Moses didn't get to go into the promised land because he stroke, smote the rock instead of speaking to it. He disobeyed and dishonored God in front of all the people, so God said, you can't go in. Sometimes God's no has a better yes. I just came to tell somebody that sometimes his no has a better yes because if you fast forward to the Mount of Transfiguration, Jesus is there in the mountain and all of a sudden he, he begins to manifest the glory of God and the Bible said Moses and Elijah is standing there. Where's Mo? He's in the promised land. He's standing there with Jesus. Let me tell you the no meant a better yes and I came to tell somebody, don't you give up. Don't you quit because it's not easy but let me tell you his grace is enough and he'll give you what you need to keep on going because if you can make a difference in one life one uh, Miss Cheryl is such so faithful to Children's Church she came to me Wednesday night she's consistent she came and she said Pastor you pray for me uh, she said we only had like three children on Sunday. And the Holy Spirit immediately quickened me. I want to I I, I remind you that Elijah was called to the masses to begin with in Mount Carmel. But the second half of his ministry, God called him to three people. He said, I want you... Elijah said, here's what Elijah said. It's not easy. You know why? Because this great prophet had done such miracles. Now he's hiding in a cave because he's threatened by Jezebel. And he says, Lord, it's enough. I'm no better than my father's. Go ahead and kill me now. I'm the only one left. Let me tell you, how many of you have ever said nobody is going through what I'm going through? Nobody has been where I am. Nobody... Uh, I'm the only one. <laughs> He's amazing. Because <laughs> he said, Elijah, get up. <laughs> Gave him angel's food cake. Should have given him devil's food cake, the way he was acting. <laughs> he called him out to the mouth of the cave and, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, said, God, he was looking for God, and we know what happened. The, the, small, still vo the still small voice, God was speaking. And he said, I, I want you to anoint three people. I want you to anoint Elisha in your place. Jehu. And the other one, I, I can't remember, but there was three. One of them was a king. The other was the one who brought about the demise of Jezebel. Come on. Watch this. Because those three people, Elisha did twice as many miracles as Elijah. So in Elijah's only touching three people, anointing three people, he accomplished more in the latter part of his ministry on earth than he did when he was preaching to the masses. Come on, somebody. It's a, Elisha did twice as many miracles. He brought about the demise of, a, of Jezebel. So I came to tell you, no, it's not easy. No. 
I've been doing this for 29 plus years. Been in ministry since I was 11 years old. I remember traveling with a group all the way over almost to Georgia to do a, do a, do a singing. It was more than about singing to me. Two people showed up. We sung like there was 2,000. Two women. I remember sitting right back there about halfway, and they really got into it. So, so I, I've also played before 9,000 people. But you know what? It's not about the crowd. It's about the witness, the one who's watching. There's no effort that you make that goes unnoticed. Yeah, we get frustrated. We get distracted and we get discouraged. We get burned out. I'm telling you, God knows how to re-energize us because the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. As a matter of fact, let me give you this last verse and then I'm going to pray for you. If Greg touched your heart with that message and you feel like you just need to make that commitment to the Lord, here's how you do it. It's not a formula. Paul said, if you believe in your heart, confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you shall be saved. Jesus said, this is eternal life, Father, that they know you and they know me. Here's what the Holy Spirit took me to, the passage over in the book of Matthew where Jesus is telling the story of the judgment. He said, many will come to me in that day saying, didn't we preach? Didn't we do all these works for you and we cast out devils, raise the dead? And he's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. And I said, Lord, I don't want to be in that category. I don't want to be in the category where you don't know me. What does that mean? Lord, show me what that means because I want you to know me. <laughs> he said, here's how you, you are. You're good, son. Come on. He said, it means depart from me for you've never been joined to me. To be one with Jesus is to have all you need on this Independence Day celebration this Sunday. I want to encourage you to know that he's faithful. It's an amazing adventure. It is. And I'm telling you, Greg, Greg is going to touch a lot of people with his testimony. So I want you to stand with me. You may be here and you say, Pastor, you hit the nail on the head. It's not easy and I've had some difficulties. Would you pray for me? I want to, I want to come to the place where I rest in his peace that I can continue to do what God's called me to do that I'll be relentless and faithful now I want you to, I want to ask you I know you're praying for me but I ask you to continue to pray for me because I'm telling you we're living in a very important time and God's about to pour his spirit out so nobody can get the credit but him and when that begins to happen, the enemy implements a strategy to try to get everybody distracted to keep you from coming into the fullness that God said you would come into. Whew. 
to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. So I want to pray for you. That's you. You say, Pastor, I felt like giving up. I felt like quitting. It's not a, it's not a shameful thing. All of us have been there. If you don't know him, if you've never said, I, wanna, I just want to believe in him and I want to walk with him, then, then that's, this invitation is for you as well. If you heard Greg's testimony, in light of eternity, boy, this is just a, it's so temporary. We live in a world that is so fragile, so temporary. Eternity is forever. Eternity is forever. So the enemy tries to distract us and get us focused on the immediate temporary things. They're going to come to pass. Only those things you do for the glory of God in obedience to him. I surrender all. is not just a cliche and a title in a song. It's what God's looking for. So I'm going to pray this short prayer. And if you want prayer, I, I know it's about eight after my family from Tennessee is at my house but this is more important I mean this is this is the priority it's the priority and they know and they're good with it because they know me Father thank you for this opportunity Lord I know the enemy is furious he's really really furious because I put things in light today and I brought it into the light, to, Lord, so it's not something that we're not unaware of. But God, I give you praise because today we can eat the honey. Today, Lord, we've come to sit down and taste and see that the Lord is good. That we're going to be strong in your might and the power of your might, Lord. And Lord, we're not going to be, as Jeremiah says, trusting in man or the arm of flesh because we become cursed and we won't see when good comes. But Lord, when we put our trust in you, we won't see when bad comes, but we're going to reap the benefits and the blessings. And we'll, we'll reap good by your hand in the name of Jesus. And I give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Would you come?